good was our worship team today? They were good. Could you hear the tambourine playing before too? I was just secretly doing that behind a curtain. No. Um, there was a line in the song of Another in the Fire and we sang it through a few times. That not it funny? I thought I'll remember that but I still had to ask Ruth what the line said because I... Um, Lent over to Carlos and I said, we need to remember that every time we're going through something. It says, I'll count the joy, I'll count the joy, come every battle, because I know that's where you'll be. I'll count the joy in the battle, because I know that's where you'll be. Thank you for putting that up. Amazing, powerful two lines. You know what, if we could just get that into our heart, I could stop preaching. Just remember that this week. Should I tell you a little story? I'm going to tell you a story that Jesus told us, but I'm going to tell you a story from me first because Pastor Kylie blessed me this morning. Um, my daughter Carmel, as many of you know, she's in the army and she's halfway through her recruit training. So she did a course for six weeks first to get her body ready for it and now she's halfway through it. And she had day leave yesterday, which means for from 9 o'clock in the morning till 4 o'clock in the afternoon, you're allowed to be on these two streets and you're allowed to get supplies that you need and whatever have you. And she had a good day and um, a friend who she's in the army with, you know, everyone becomes your friend because they're like your family, her mum came to visit her and they hired a hotel room. And so they were going for a massage and they said to Carmel, do you want to go to our room for an hour um, and you can put your feet up? Because you don't realise, because when I went to see Carmel, because I didn't know that you're only allowed to be on those two streets, I booked accommodation not on those streets. So it meant that we weren't allowed to go back to the cheap Airbnb that I'd booked because it wasn't on those two streets. So you get my picture? So anyways, she was allowed to go back to this room, lay on the bed. Like, lay on the bed, put her feet up. And so she rang me and I said to her, do you want me to go through my message with you? She goes, oh, yeah, mum, that'll be good. So she was my little guinea pig and I'm just talking the message over to her as she's laying down on the bed, phone to the ear. And we just had a really good time. We were able to pray into things because they don't get a lot of Christian contact when you're sort of one of the only Christians there. It's sort of a bit swimming against the tide. But I'll count the joy for every battle because that's where you'll be. That's not my story. So that was a really lovely day. Then last night, she rings at 9.30 at night, crying. And I'm going, what is going on? She said to me, Mum, I need a certified copy of yours and Dad's birth certificate. I, I need it um, because they've told me that there's a serious chance that I'll get backlisted, which means you don't get to do your march out on the date where they tell you because not all your paperwork's been filled out. But you've got to understand, for six weeks they've told her everything's good, everything's fine, all her paperwork's fine, but then suddenly, nine o'clock at night, the sergeant decides that's the time they're going to come and see Carmel and tell her, well, all your paperwork's not filled out unless you don't have this, you're backlisted and, you know, she's howling. Maybe it's all part of the game, I don't know. But I didn't feel like it was a game last night at 9.30. So, um... I'm kind of going, you know what, Lord? Your word says that we are to worry about nothing and we are to pray about everything. So I am just giving this over to you. My heart still felt heavy. 
This morning I woke up at five o'clock. Actually, I woke up before five o'clock. I woke up before the alarm went off. And guess what I'm thinking about? Getting those stupid certified copies of our birth certificates sent off to her. Doesn't, don't they know that we're going to a conference this afternoon straight after church and we don't have time to be mucking around doing all this sort of stuff? Anyways, I knew, I knew, 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 knew it was an attack of the enemy to rob me of my joy. And Pastor Kylie did my PowerPoints. So that's why she knew what I was preaching about. And she goes, you know what, Pauline, you're talking about the Holy Spirit and you need the oil of the Holy Spirit and that's what you're needing right now, that oil in abundance. And you know what? Just went because I just had to remember the reason. So can I tell you this morning, that was all free, that bit that I just shared, just free. Count the joy in the trial because I know that's where you'll be. And why is it that we come Wednesday, we've forgotten the joy of the trial? We forget. So you know what, musicians, we probably need to sing that song every week because I need reminding. Because I needed reminding this morning. So that's that. Let's get started. All right, it is 22.11. Let's see how good I can be. I'm sure, I reckon we're going to have an early-ish minute, maybe. Um, so this theme, the month for this theme is, the, month, the theme for this month is supernatural guidance. And last week was Easter. Can you believe last week was Easter? Wow. I saw someone write a post today and it was so clever. It said, um, um, I know it's the week after Easter, but come to church anyways. Kind of meaning everyone comes to church for Easter, but then they don't come any other time. So I'm so glad to see your smiling faces here today. Um, so we're going to take off from the message that Pastor Rob preached the week before Easter. If you weren't here for Easter, listen to the podcast. I mean, it was good. Just a little hint, hint. Listen to Friday morning and then listen to Sunday morning. Very, very good. So, Pastor Rob's three points were supernatural guidance is the Holy Spirit, supernatural guidance is the Word of God, and supernatural guidance is godly counsel. It's all three. One without the other, without the other goes weird. Do you ever know when someone's really bent on something? They sometimes go a little bit weird. Have you ever heard those people that are on that healthy eating plan? And they go so far down. They go weird. Like, yes, I'm all good for clean, healthy eating and I want to do that. But, gee, that salad wrap looks yummy. So, you know, and I'm not saying everything in moderation, Con. No, no, no. He's picked me up on that one. Talk to him about the moderation. So, we don't want to go weird. We need supernatural guidance from all of them. But there's going to be one that I'm particularly going to focus on today. I wanted to focus on all three, but maybe we'll be here till 2 o'clock this afternoon and our plane leaves. So we'll just focus on one and we're going to be focusing on the Holy Spirit this morning. So we're going to, these three questions will be answered today. Why is it important? How do we use and apply it every day? And what is the result in our lives? So take a camera shot, make sure that we can answer all three questions. If not, ask me about it and I'll answer it before I leave. How about we just open in a word of prayer? So, loving Father, we just come before you this morning. I just thank you for this morning. I thank you what you've, you've done in our hearts already by 
preparing them and making them open to receive from you. Lord Jesus, I just pray that our ears will be open, that we'll hear the words that you're wanting us to hear, that the word will bring change into our lives, Lord Jesus, because we need your word, the word of God that changes everything. We need the name of Jesus. So we just thank you, Lord. Okay, the scripture that I'm going to be looking at today, we're going to be reading a little bit of Bible. So if you've got your Bibles in any form, it's great. If not, it will be on the screen because we get a little bit lazy and it's just good to look up. Um, And we're going to be looking at a scripture in Matthew 25, 1 to 13. This is actually a story that Jesus was telling. And the story in Bible times was called a parable. We don't use the word parable. We don't tell our children we're going to talk, we're going to tell you a parable tonight, do we? No, we say we're going to tell you a story. But a parable is a word that's in Greek. And para means to come alongside and bole means to throw. So now you know where that sports brand bole comes from. It's a sports brand because it's action behind it. Anyways, so parabole means parable in Greek. And the reason I want to tell you what it meant was because Jesus is throwing a truth in the form of a story. That's what he's doing. So he's, he's, he's bringing this truth to come alongside of a story that you can put the two together. I don't know about you, but when we look at Greek words or we look at some words that are in the Bible that we don't often use in our everyday English language... I am so grateful that there were men who tirelessly made it their life's work to translate the Bible in English. Who agrees? I love reading the Bible. I love what it has to say. And I'm just very grateful that we get to read it in an English form. So how about we do that this morning? And my thing's not working anymore. Oh, here we go. So this is what we are talking about today. The parable is of the ten bridesmaids. Then the kingdom of heaven will be like ten bridesmaids who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them foolish, five were wise. The five who were foolish didn't take enough oil for their lamps, but the extra five were wise enough to take along extra oil. When the bridegroom was delayed, they all become drowsy and fell asleep. At midnight... They were roused by the shout. Look, the bridegroom is coming. Come out and meet him. All the bridesmaids got up and prepared their lamps. Then the five foolish ones asked the others, please give us some of your oil because our lamps are going out. But the others replied, we don't have enough for us all. Go to the shop and buy some yourself. This isn't working. Next. Are we one missing? Stop. Okay. But while they were gone to buy oil, the bridegroom came. Then those who were ready went in with him to the marriage feast and the door was locked. Later when the other five bridesmaids returned, they stood outside calling, Lord, Lord, open the door for us. But he called me, he called back, believe me, I don't know you. So you too must keep watch, for you do not know the day or the hour of my return. The the actual story of this is summed up in that last line in verse 13. It says, 
So you too must keep watch, for you do not know the day or hour of my return. Today, my desire is that when we go through this scripture verse, that we will understand the need of why we need to be prepared and ready for his coming. That's the whole purpose. So now, I'm sure most of you have heard that story before and good story, get out Matthew 25 and read the kids a bedtime story because you can tonight. You can get the Bible out and you are going to be able to explain it to the kids exactly what this story means and why it's really important for them. So I'm giving you a free story tonight, Matthew 25, 1 to 13. One thing that makes me smile about this parable is Jesus, Jesus is telling a story about a wedding. I don't know about you, but in my, in my household, we have some males and females. And the males, I want to give you a copy of my notes with the highlights so you know when to flick it. Um, the male's view of a wedding is very different to a female's. Leave it there. I'll just tell you why. This is from an actual person in my household. I'm not going to mention any names. <laughs> They're not here. Okay, so it's not Pastor Rob. <laughs> okay, this is from an actual wedding that a male went to in my household. How was the wedding? Good. What did the bride look like? Nice. Did she look pretty? I guess so, if you like that kind of thing. What was the reception like? Good. Did you have fun? Yeah. Flip over next one. Now, this is the woman's take on the same wedding. How was the wedding? It was beautiful. The day was amazing. The weather was perfect. I bet the photos will be stunning. The wedding party all looked amazing too. The bridesmaids were wearing lovely coloured dresses and it all really suited their figures. What did the bride look like? She was beautiful. She was the most beautiful bride I've ever seen. She was absolutely radiant. Her dress was that modern vintage look. It really suited her. Did she look pretty? She was stunning. Her hair was loosely pinned up. It looked so romantic. What was the reception like? It looked amazing. You would think it came straight out of a bridal magazine. I would hate to know how much they paid per head on that one. The attention to detail in every element was so thoughtfully carried through the entire day. Did you have fun? It was the best wedding ever. It was so much fun. You could see how much they loved each other. They really knew how to celebrate the start of their journey together. Do you get my point? So, do you get my point that Jesus is telling us a story, which we're going to go through once I tell you about a Jewish wedding. Um, Jesus is going through a story, so he just wants you to understand the important bits. He wants you to know the message he's trying to get through in the story. Now, have you ever heard Pastor Rob say this? It's often, it's the story that's in the story when you can't see the story. That's what we're going to see. Because you never saw that before when I read it through, did you? But you're going to by the end. You're going to see what the story is behind the story, inside the story. True, true story. Okay, now... Let me just tell you a little bit about what ancient 
Jewish weddings were like. Because if you don't know what they're like, how do you know how to apply that Bible verse to our lives? So in ancient times, there was a few steps that they needed to go through first in the ancient Jewish wedding. A um, few te- steps that took pl- place before the actual, actual, actual wedding celebration. So in early... Um, in the early Jewish times, the men were usually around the age of 18 when they got married. And the women got married when they were physically able to get married. So usually when they were able to have a baby, they got married. And that was usually around the age of 13 or 14. Now, the first step was the choosing of the bride. Now, this was typically done by the dad of the fella. So the dad of the groom would be the one who would choose a bride for his son. In that time, there was a dowry to be paid, different processes of of money, because what actually happened was the bride's family was losing a worker in their family. They were losing someone. So basically, they would get paid money to compensate them losing that girl because now she was becoming a part of the other family. And so there was like, so there was this kind of marriage contract that got written up to say that um, she's going to come and be with us. We're going to pay you so much money. So there was the choosing of the bride. Do you know what sometimes happened? From when they were little children, they were paired up so then the parents would arrange a suitable time if they were only young little kids two or three years old oh I want your daughter to marry my son well then they would have to arrange a time of they'll wait 10 12 years before they're at the age and I went to this place the other week and um and I saw this lady and she probably had a little two-year-old boy and this other lady had like a uh, a nine-month-old, and this little girl was really cute. And this lady said these words, and it made me think of this story. She goes to her little two-year-old son, "Meet your future wife." Now, have you ever seen funny things like two friends are saying, "I want your daughter to marry my son." You know that we can always be together. That's what they actually used to do. Just saying. So that's where they kind of get it from because they actually used to do that. But it wasn't the ladies; it was the men. The men doing it. They were getting getting it ready so then the marriage contract was drawn up and what you need to understand that marriage back in this time was not really about love and romance as it was about survival it was not merely two individuals that got married it was actually two families coming together and beauty and romantic beauty and romance were considered lovely things but they knew that it actually needed to be based on something way more sturdier, like a strong foundation. So that's what happened. That was the first part. The second part was called the betrothal. Has everyone heard of a betrothal? Anyways, I'm going to tell you a little bit about what it is. It was when the couple actually now entered into the covenant of marriage. They would come together. There was this special thing, like it was a canopy, that they'd come under. So they'd come under and they would basically be saying that we are prepared to commit to each other, that we are going to do this thing of marriage together. There would be 
like an exchanging of a ring. That's probably why we get an engagement ring, girls, but they probably both got a ring to say we're staying committed to this until we actually, actually have the proper marriage thing happening. And um, so they would have done that. The families would have come together. It would have been a lovely time. And then, see, and then this, if we understand this about the betrothal, we'll understand why Joseph said what he did about Mary in... Um, and what it was, was once that betrothal took place, once that commitment took place, basically they would need a religious, a, a religious divorce in order to annul that contract. So it was binding. Even though they weren't living together, even though she was there and he was there, this was legally binding that they were getting married. And that's why Joseph, when he found out Mary was pregnant with the Son of God, he thought he was going to quietly divorce her. Because what was happening, they were in their betrothal period. Mary and Joseph, if you didn't know that, you do know that now. They were in that betrothal time. And so they were committed to each other like in marriage. And he found out she was pregnant, clearly not through him, because remember, they haven't been together. And I'm going to quietly divorce her until the, the um, angel spoke to Joseph as well and said, stay with this woman. So in the betrothal period, which was usually a period of a year, what would happen was, oh, when this is really a lovely bit, because this is these are the bits that Pauline likes, because clearly she watches way too many Hallmark movies. Um, so before the groom went away to do his jobs, which I'm going to tell you what his jobs were, at the betrothal, he would give his wife a present. And you know what? It would have been something lovely, something special to remember him by that she knew that he was coming back for her. So whenever he would, she would feel like, oh, this year's going so long, she could look at that little present from her future husband to know that he was thinking of her and was coming back. Can you see I've watched too many Hallmark movies? Yeah, because that, that does it for me. Um, so during this betrothal time, do you know what the boys were having to do? They needed to go back home and get a room ready for their future wife. Now, in that day, it wasn't that they built another house. They usually built an addition onto the existing house. So at 18 years of age, you had to become a builder, a furniture maker. You name it, they had to do it. So you kind of realise that a year, he would have been working hard in that year to get that house ready for his bride to come to. And it was only the rabbi who could go to the house and go, yes, this is fit for your future bride because he couldn't bring her to something less than what she was accustomed to. Did you know that? I didn't know that. I did this research just for you guys this morning. So... And the other interesting fact in this betrothal period was it wasn't until the father of the groom gave the permission that he was allowed to then go and get his wife. And I just thought that was funny because the, the young groom could have been going, oh, I'm ready, everything's done. But the father of the groom had to go, no, you probably can fix this up or you can probably do that or yes, now the time is right and you can go and um, get your bride. So then the final step was the actual wedding celebration. And when you understand this, you're going to understand why it was so important, that story that we're going to talk about again. So the final step in the process, the process was called the, I don't even want to say it. It's like the word Nissen, but 
UIN at the end. So it was like, it, in, in um, whatever that word was, it was to be carried, to be carried away. That was the celebration of this thing. And so the bride knew that when this time came, she was going to be carried away to be with her, her fella. So the wedding ceremony. The thing with the betrothal period, coming to the wedding celebration, is it's always around the year. But do you know what the surprise was in a Jewish wedding? You never knew the exact day or time. You never did. So after one year, you just had to be ready because it could be any time now. He could be coming. And this is why it's so important as Christians that we need to be prepared and ready. So I'm getting excited about reading the Bible verse again now that I'm kind of telling you this story. So so what would happen, it was customary in this time, would be one of the groomsmen from the bridal party would go ahead of the bridegroom, leading the way to the bride's house and shout, Behold, the bridegroom comes. This would be followed by the sounding of the shofar. The sounding of the the shofar would mean that the whole wedding procession is happening. They would go through the streets, they'd go to the bride's house and they'd pick her up and guess what? Once again, that canopy, of, that canopy would be set up. They would come, they would do their final exchanging of vows and then they were off to celebrate. Now, that celebration, this is going to make a lot of sense to you with all these other stories about the wine and, you know, Jesus' first miracle is because... It wasn't just one sit-down meal. It was a celebration that went on for about seven days of food and dancing and celebration. That's why after that, you know, five or six days when they've had plenty to drink, then bring out the cheap stuff. No, not in the miracle of Jesus. They saved the best till last. So there's lots and lots of components in a, um, a Jewish wedding. But one thing I want to draw our attention to before we go back to Scripture is this sounds a lot like us and our relationship with Jesus. Do you think so? Choosing the bride. He's chosen us. He's chosen us. He's going, I want you. You, 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 everyone. He wants us all. And then guess what we are in right now? We are in that betrothal time. So you know what he's saying to us? I want you to be prepared and I want you to be ready. We're actually in that time right now. And then guess what's coming? Yippee! The wedding celebration, it's coming. He wants us to be prepared and ready. So, knowing all of that now, how about we go through the story now? What do you reckon? Still not, oh. Oh, I forgot to show that picture when I was talking about it's time to celebrate that they were under the canopy. I added that one in, Kylie. Okay, let's go. Then the kingdom of heaven will be like 10 bridesmaids who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Can you see now that Jesus is telling this story, this parable, to clarify what it means for us to be ready when he comes again? So now you can understand. He's telling us what it's going to be like. It's going to be like 10 bridesmaids who took their lamps and went to meet the, the bridegroom because they didn't know when the time was. So if the time was the middle of the night, you needed some form of light to get yourself knowing where you're going. There, were, there was five of them. Five were foolish and five were wise. I don't think you need to be a rocket scientist to know which party you want to be in. <clears throat> the five who were foolish didn't take enough oil for their lamps. 
But the other five who were wise, they had enough to take extra oil. Can everyone say extra oil? We want to be people of the extra oil. So I know I want to be known as that person who is the extra oil kind of person. The Bible, Bible scholars have often said that this oil represents the Holy Spirit. So you know what he's saying? I want you to have the Holy Spirit. I don't want you to have just a little bit. I want you to have a lot. I want you to have extra, 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 extra. Be filled to the top and overflowing because it's the only thing, that oil, that replenishes our soul. I don't know about you, but it was like the Holy Spirit was washing over me this morning going, come on, Pauline, the joy that's set before you when we, trace, when we face trials of many kinds because we face them. And he is saying that he has that available to us. He wants us to be filled to the top and overflowing. Now, today when we talk about the extra oil, I'm not talking about someone who's extra. I don't know about you, but one of my kids said to me the other weekend, you're extra, mum. It wasn't a compliment. <laughs> they were looking at their iPhone and I was looking at my iPad and it was just like, mum, do you have to be looking at your iPad in public? Like, that's just a little bit extra. Like, couldn't have a phone done? I have got my, my notes so big that I don't have to wear my glasses while I'm trying to read because we're not talking about that kind of extra person. We're talking about having what's available. Oh, Leanna, yeah, put your head down. No. Um, we're talking about the extra of being filled with the oil that we need to keep us going for daily life. I need that extra because for some reason it seeps out of me. So I need to be continually filled. And so that's why he's saying to be wise, you need to keep getting that extra into you. All right. So then it says, next one. When the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and fell asleep. Can I say, no one is in trouble for having a sleep or becoming tired. Because you know what? He gives his beloved rest. He worked for six days and he had a rest on the seventh day. No one is in trouble for having a sleep. And if someone says to you that you are in trouble, when you've worked hard and you've got your prepared and you've got your extra oil, you are allowed to have a rest. Now, they've probably been ready for three, 365 days tick by and they were ready. So now it's 375 days, like 10 days later. They're allowed to get tired. They're allowed to have a little rest because we'll see why. At midnight, they were roused by the shout. Look, the bridegroom is coming. Come out to meet him. Who was saying that? We know now it was the groomsmen. The chauffeur's going, bruh, 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 because they've been roused. They've been woken up. They've been given movement. They're going, come on now. It's time to be ready. So when you're ready, guess what you would do? You'd be picking up that lamp. You're picking up the extra oil. Mama P's yelling out, have you got your hanky and your drink bottle? Being prepared. It says, all the bridesmaids got up and prepared their lamps. Then the five foolish ones asked the others, please give us some of your oil because our lamps are going out. This passage makes me feel sad, really sad. And I was going to tell you another sad story, but I'm looking at the time and I haven't got time. But all I'm saying is this 
was not designed to make us feel sad. Jesus is telling us this to make us be prepared. So all I'm going to say is be prepared. Be prepared. Um, I am going to say a word to parents. And I felt like the Holy Spirit really put this on me when um, I was talking, when I was just thinking about this scripture is parents don't underestimate your job here to help your children get prepared. Because these girls were young. They were young. You just don't say to your, well, I have never been able to. My 10 and 12-year-old are going to a camp. I haven't said pack your camp stuff. I've gone through the list with them. Got enough knickers packed, got the jeans, got the jumper, got everything you need, got your bathers in there. Because it's our job as parents to help our kids be prepared. So I'm just saying to parents, please, it is your job to help prepare your children. I am blessed and encouraged when I see people bringing their children to church. I want to honour you, Ruth, when I saw you here early with your two kids. You know what? You're preparing them. You might think, I just wish I'd sit there like little angels on the floor in one little spot. Well, my kids never did either. Just saying. But bring them into the house of God. Get them prepared and do not underestimate what you are doing by bringing them. Bring them, bring them, bring them. That's what I'm going to say. Help them, prepare them, teach them. If they only hear a Bible story on a Sunday morning, they are going to be spiritually malnourished. And so are you. Be prepared. Read the Word of God. You know now I want to talk about all of them. Read the Word of God. Get godly counsel. But anyway, it's Holy Spirit. We're talking about the Holy Spirit. Because I'm telling you, the oil is what you need. It is what you need. Then it says, Then the others replied, Flip over to the next one. But the others replied, we don't have enough oil for all of us. Go to the shops and buy some for yourselves. Don't leave things till the last minute. It is too late. They were young girls going out after midnight to buy oil. I'm sorry, our shops aren't open after midnight. And we got seven day a week trade. Back in early Jewish times, the shops were not open. They weren't open then. I know it's sad, isn't it? What were they going to do? He's talking about little girls here, but you know who Jesus is actually talking about? He's talking about the people who haven't accepted him yet. Like, be prepared. He wants us. The other thing is, can you imagine being one of the ten bridesmaids? You were not married. If you were a bridesmaid, you weren't a married girl yet. So you might have been young. This might be your time when a prospective father-in-law might meet you. He might see you. You're all beautiful. You're helping the bride. You're doing all the things you need to do. And someone's looking at you going, that's the kind of girl I want for my fella. Sees the character. If you're the foolish one, guess what? You've missed out. You're not even going to be noticed. It says, but while they were while they were gone to buy oil, the bridegroom came. Then those who were ready went in with him to the marriage feast, and the door was locked. Now we've gone. Later, when the five bridesmaids returned, they stood outside calling, Lord, Lord, open the door for us. But he called back, Believe me, I don't know you. So you too must keep watch, for you do not know the day of my return. Weddings are an important time. It is not something that's just been sprung on them. They've had plenty of time to prepare. 
That is why we have been given the opportunity today to do what needs to be done to get ourselves ready. When you give your life to Jesus, he wasn't going, oh, phew, they've finally done it. They've given their life to Jesus. Now I'm just going to pray that they're going to be okay there on their own. When he left, he goes, I'm giving you someone. I am giving you someone who is going to come alongside of you and is going to help you and it's going to remind you of everything I've taught you. That is why it is so important that we have the supernatural guidance of the Holy Spirit inside of us. When Jesus went away, his disciples were greatly distressed because they had lost his comforting presence. But he promised to send the Spirit to comfort, to console and to guide those who belong to Christ. The Spirit also bears witness with our spirit and it gives us that understanding, that confidence, that hope that we belong to Jesus. And he assures us of salvation. That is why it is so important that we are guided by the Holy Spirit. We need to rely on him. He says he's our comforter. He's our counsellor. He's our advocate. In Greek, that word is translated as parakletos. So that word para, 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 remember we did parabole, which is a truth and come alongside. So the Holy Spirit, guess what? This paraclete, he wants to come alongside of us. He wants to be right there. You know what? He is our best friend. He wants us to talk to him with every decision. Talk to him. He's not the weird friend. Too many people, whenever they go do something weird, they kind of go, oh, that person's just really full of the Spirit. No, they're not. They're just really weird. They probably haven't been reading the Bible or getting godly counsel either. They're just acting weird because the fruit of the Spirit doesn't show me weirdness. Should I tell you what the fruit of the Spirit shows me? It shows me love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness. Against these there is no law. So it shows love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness. And He just wants us to keep showing them because that is the fruit of the Holy Spirit. And you know what? Too many people have been sucking on lemons for too long. And I tell you what, we don't need an orchard of lemon trees. I don't know about you, but I want a delicious peach or a delicious apple or something beautiful because taste and see that the Lord is good. All right, just a couple more verses about the Holy Spirit because that's who we're talking about today next. And I will ask the Father and He will give you another advocate who will never leave you. Did you hear that? He is never going to leave you. Next one. He's saying, I will never abandon you or leave you as orphans. I will come to you. That's Jesus. How precious is that? He's saying, oh, the Holy Spirit, I'm going to come to you. I'll meet you right where you are. I'm not going to leave you abandoned or alone. I'm there for you. But when the Father sends the Advocate... As my representative, that is the Holy Spirit, He will teach you everything and you will, and He will remind you of everything I have told you about. Do you know what? It's the Holy Spirit's work. So we can read the Word of God, but the Holy Spirit can remind us of those things. That's what He wants to do. There's so many stories I want to tell, but I'm clearly running out of time right now. So I'm telling you, if you've never received the Holy Spirit, I'm happy to pray with you afterwards. 
I want to pray with you. I want you to be filled to the top and overflowing. Not weird because you need him because he's your best friend and he wants to talk with you and he wants to come alongside of you and he wants to be your comforter. And we want to have the fruit of the Spirit living in our lives. So let's pray. And then I'm going to hand back to Pastor Rob. So Lord Jesus, we just want to come before you this morning. I just thank you that you have extra oil. You have enough oil for everybody here. Everybody in this world, you want them to have a relationship with you. And your word said, like the bridegroom, that you are going away to prepare a place for us. And we thank you for that. So I just pray, Lord Jesus, that we can take that word inside of us. We can understand it because your spirit wants to make it truthful to us. And we just want to rely on you. And we thank you in your precious name.